Glad you guys came back tonight to be here for our communion service. I know that many of you also came because afterwards we're going to have a, a young people's a, a youth group presentation downstairs in the gym. For all of you who signed up, you had to sign up for this. And so if you've signed up, you know that you have. And we're going to go down there afterwards. But first, we're going to have our communion service here. Let me ask you a question to begin. Why is this called the Lord's Supper? Don't answer out loud, but get an answer in your head. Why is what we're doing here tonight called the Lord's Supper? Got your answer? 1 Corinthians 11. Here we go. Grab your Bibles. By the way, aren't you glad we have air conditioning in this church? Really glad tonight that we have it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which also I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the classic passage for this evening. The next verse reads this. In the same way, after... What's the word? After supper. The reason this is called the Lord's Supper is because it was at a meal. Okay, we're going to have one tonight afterwards downstairs. But the reason that this service that we're in is called the Lord's Supper is because the Lord Jesus Christ hosted it and it was in fact a meal. It was a supper. In the same way, after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <clears throat> now most of the time in churches like ours, there are just two elements here. There's a cup with juice in it, and there's a cracker, a piece of bread, for want of a better word. And we know, of course, that they represent Jesus' blood and Jesus' body. They do not become Jesus' blood and Jesus' body. They're just symbols of it to help us remember that Jesus Christ actually died on the cross. He was a real person, and he died on the cross for our place. Here's my second question tonight. Why is this called communion? And that's what most of us call it. Most of us don't call it the Lord's Supper. Most of the people in this church call it communion. Now, I'm just guessing, but I think you're having a harder time coming up with a reason why it's called communion. Just nod if I'm right. Yeah. See, we, we know why it's called Lord's Supper, but we don't call it that. It's actually in our church called communion. We would say we're having communion tonight. But I think lots of us don't know why we call it that. Still got your Bibles? Chapter 10. You got to go back a page. Go back to chapter 10. In chapter 10, verse 16, he says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks... What's he talking about right there? Well, he's talking about the communion service. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Now, interestingly, that word participation is our word communion. Or our word fellowship 
Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a fellowship in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a communion or a fellowship in the body of Christ? Say, what what does the word communion have as its root? Well, common. It has as its root common. So communion or fellowship is sharing something in common. We call this service communion because we're sharing something in common. What we're sharing in particular is this symbolic ceremony where we remember Jesus' blood and Jesus' body. But it's more than that. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. What what holds us all together in this room? I just was on vacation. I I don't know about you. I really don't. But when I'm on vacation, I really enjoy being on vacation, but I also like to come home. Is that true for you too? You really like getting away, but you like coming home too. Well, Cindy and I talk about this from time to time. We not only like coming home to our home, we like coming home to this home. Because this is home for us. There's something that holds us together. Something that we share in common that makes Shelby Road what Shelby Road is. It isn't the building. It's not the name Shelby Road Baptist Church. It's not that. There's something that holds us together, something we share in common. And I want to show it to you. Here we go, Ephesians chapter 4. Grab your Bibles. We're different people in this room, all kinds of different personalities. How, how did we get together here in this place? When I get around people individually, I ask them, how'd you end up at Shelby Road? Here we are, all these different personalities, we come from different places. We, we don't even all live in Shelby. In fact, most of us don't live in Shelby. How many of you don't live in Shelby? Yeah, most of the room doesn't live in Shelby. Say, say what, what brings us together? We, we have all kinds of different jobs, all kinds of different responsibilities. We have different families and different homes and different concerns. What brings us together? This. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's how God wants us to act toward each other. It's a very, very good passage. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then he says this. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. If you're taking notes tonight, here we go. What, what, what holds us together? What is it that we have in common? What is it that makes us a fellowship? 
You see, we have this service because we're connected. You just don't generally call four or five friends that aren't connected and say, hey, come on over to my house, we're going to have communion. I, I have a feeling maybe none of you have ever done that. You say, well, that would really be weird. Yes, it would be weird. This communion service is for the church family. But something holds us all together. I have several things. If you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, he says there's one father. See, in this family, there's one father. It's not me. Say, well, you could be old enough for it. Yeah, but it's not. One father, and of course, that's God. We, we are family because we have one father. We, our father is the God of all the world. He controls this whole world. Our Father chose us. Every person in this room who's a child of God, God chose you to be in his family. God the Father chose Steve Landis to be in his family. God the Father chose Christy Roberts to be in his family. He chose. He chose you and he chose me. We have one Father and that one Father binds us together. Number two, one spirit. He says this clearly. One spirit. You say, why is that so important? Because the Holy Spirit's the one who created this family. We are baptized together into one family by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who actually put this group together. One spirit. Where does he live tonight? Where's the Holy Spirit tonight? He's inside you, isn't he? He's inside you, but do you know something? He's inside all of us collectively. The Bible actually talks about this in two different ways. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, what, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's talking about individually there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, hey, be very, very careful how you treat the temple of the Holy Spirit. And there... He's talking about the church collective. So the Holy Spirit's in each individual person. The Holy Spirit's in Daryl. The Holy Spirit's in Daryl. And the Holy Spirit's in Ethan. It's interesting. He's in Matt Waller and Sarah Waller. God the Holy Spirit lives inside us. But he also lives inside this whole group. And he put this group together. He did this. This didn't just happen. This didn't just happen. God the Holy Spirit put this group together. We have one Father and one Spirit who banded us all together. Number three, one Savior. If you notice in this thing, he says there's one body, one Spirit, and then he says there's one Lord, one faith, and then one God and Father. He talks about all three persons of the trinity if we would say it that way god the father god the son and god the holy spirit one savior everybody that's in this room right now who's saved we have one savior jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no man what no man comes unto the father except by me it's by jesus christ no other name there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we may be saved except the name of jesus christ what binds us together is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we're remembering tonight. It was for every person in this room. 
Every child got in the same way. Every adult got in the same way. Every man gets in the same way. Every woman gets in the same way. We all get in by putting our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to number four, one faith. He says that. One Lord, one faith. He doesn't mean individually, like Sean has faith and Tobias has faith. Their individual belief. That's not what he means here. He means one body of truth. That's what he means by the word faith. He means a body of truth that we believe in order to be saved. And what Sean believes and what Tobias believes and what Kathy Riggleman believes is all the same thing. And that's why we're, we're bound together because we all believe the same thing about God and about Jesus. I believe it and you do too. I believe that Jesus is God's son, don't you? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross in my place, do you? See, we all believe this. I believe that after Jesus Christ died, and he really died, he bled on the cross, his body stopped, his heart stopped, they buried him in a tomb, and I believe on the third day he rose again. Do you? Absolutely. We believe this, and it's our faith, and that binds us together. What binds us together is not that our kids are in the same youth group. That's not what binds us together. That's just a program that this church has. What binds us together is something so much more important than that. One Father, one Spirit, one Savior, one faith. Number five, one baptism. Now, here there's a little bit of debate in this passage, okay? Because it says... One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And some people want to make this spirit baptism. But he's not talking about that here. You say, how do you know? Because if he was talking about spirit baptism, the baptism would be connected to the Holy Spirit. He he gives three little sets. And he puts this baptism connected to our Savior. There's one baptism that holds us together as a group. When you begin to follow Jesus Christ, we we follow what the New Testament teaches. Go into all the world and make disciples of all people, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, many of you in this room, not all of you, many of you in this room have been baptized and are members in this church. Eh, Let's just ask, how many of you? Let me see your hands. That's right. Many, many of you. Why? Because because it's part of what binds us together. It's part of what God says binds the family together. We all have, we all have, many of us have, in obedience to Jesus Christ, gotten baptized in water, either here in a tank or out in a lake. We've gotten baptized to say, hey, we're followers of Jesus Christ. You say, why do you do that? Because he told us to. And that act... That act has bound us together. We've all done it. Number six, one body. Now again, here it's kind of interesting. He says, one body, one spirit, one hope. One body, 
one family that the Holy Spirit has created. Now, some people say, well, this could be talking about the universal body, the big body of Jesus Christ, and it could be, but here's the thing. The big body of Jesus Christ is made up, the big universal church of Jesus Christ, it's made up of each local church. <laughs> each local church is a part of the universal church. So it doesn't really matter which one he's talking about, but with all the factions that there are, all the divisions in the community of Christianity, there is still one body, one group of true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number seven, one hope. It's the last one he says in this passage. One hope. And what is the hope? What is it? What's the hope? That one day Jesus Christ is what? He's returning. That's the hope. The hope is not that, what, Kavanaugh will get elected to the Supreme Court? No, it won't be elected. It will be confirmed. That, that's not hardly our hope. Okay? It's not in some president, heaven help us. It's not that. Our hope is that Jesus Christ is going to come back. And this world as we know it will end and we'll spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Where? Oh, in heaven and on the new earth. Yep, that's our hope. And these things all bind us together. And that's why we're here tonight. We're here tonight because we're one family with one father. One spirit who lives in all of us and has joined us into the body. One savior, Jesus Christ. We're committed. We've put our faith in him and we're committed to following him as our Lord. One faith. We believe the same things about Jesus Christ. One baptism that's made us a part of this church. One body. One hope. That's everyone that's in this passage. Okay, so now I want to add some that aren't in the passage. Are you still taking notes? Here we go. Number eight, one purpose. I'm going to remind us all of this. One purpose. Everything we're doing in the church is for what purpose? Well, it's for God's glory, isn't it? It's for God's glory. In the end, everything we're trying to do is for God's glory. It's not about, it's not about my glory. It's not about your glory. It's not about this church's glory. It's not to make Shelby Road look good. It's to make God look good. One purpose. Number nine, one mission. This binds us together. We have one mission. And our mission is still the same mission that Jesus gave to the disciples back then. To go into all the world. To get the gospel to every person. To make disciples in every nation, every town, every county, every state, every country. That's why we have a big missions program here. That's why we're supporting missionaries all over the world, because it's a part of our one mission. It's a part of our mission. But it's also your mission, my mission. When you go to work, you're there as part of the mission. It binds us together. Number 10. One requirement say a requirement yeah communion there's fellowship that's what this word is from it's from the word for fellowship something that we share in common and there is a requirement first john says we can't have fellowship with god unless we walk in the light 
okay? We're all called to live a certain way, all called to live differently than the world, all of us. All the teens are called, all the middle school, all the high schoolers, all the children, all the adults, we're all called to live differently than the world, and it binds us together. You know God intended this, right? He intended it. He gave us standards. We're supposed to live by them. And it makes us different than the people around us because God wants people to see that's one of mine. That's my child right there. God wants people to know that we belong to him and we are different. So we don't lie. Why? Because people in the light don't lie. We tell the truth because God's children tell the truth. This room ought to be a room filled with truth tellers because we walk in the light. These requirements, they're there for a reason. They're there because this is how God wants his family to be. He says to us, be kind one to another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another. It's how we can make it in this church. Oh, I don't know, there's 500 or 550 people here on a Sunday morning, and sooner or later, somebody's going to step on your toes. Somebody's going to cross you up and do something you don't like. But that doesn't mean we can't exist in the same family. We just have to do what you do in your family at home. We just have to forgive each other and make it work. I know how your house is. Your house is like my house. It's no different. You got kids in your house, then they're squabbling in trouble in your house sometimes. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? When they're squabbling in trouble, you don't just get rid of them. Cindy said to me over and over, are our kids ever going to like each other? Over and over she said this to me. Cindy got raised as an only kid. Only kids have a certain view of life. She thought if you had brothers and sisters, you'd just love on each other all the time. That's how my brother and I loved on each other. We were loving on each other all the time. It's just not how it works, is it? You kids always just getting along great. No, it's not how it always works. But we make it work, right? Because we're, we're a family, right? We share something in common. Say, how many points you got, McNeil? Just 11. <laughs> one last one. One common response. You say response. Yeah. We come tonight. You don't have to drag us here. You don't have to drag it out of us. We, we come tonight and we have a chance. We have a chance as a family to say to God, hey, thank you for making us a family. I can say this truthfully. I love being a part of this church. I don't know if this is true for all of you, but I love being a part of this church. 
Most of you know I've been here a long time. I've been here 33 or 34 years. You do know I could have left, right? I mean, you know that. You know other churches asked me to leave. Say, why didn't you? We like this place. Don't you just like this place? I mean, really, not, probably not all of you, but I mean, really, don't you? Don't you just like the family? I come to church expecting a good time. Don't you? I come to church expecting to be around people that I like. I mean, there's a few of you I don't like, but, but in general, <laughs> I come to church thinking, hey, this is great to be here. We have a chance tonight. A family, just like your family, sitting around the dinner table. It can be a nice night or it can be one of those nights when everything falls apart. You know how that is? But we have a chance together to say to God, thank you for choosing us to be a part of your family. And thank you for putting this group together as a family. And thank you for sending Jesus Christ to be our Savior and be our Lord. And thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to live inside us and help us live the Christian life. We have a chance tonight to respond to God collectively. One common response. And that's why we're here. So I invite you to do it with us. I'm going to ask Cindy if she'll go up to the piano, and we're going to sing an old chorus. We're going to sing an old chorus together. And it's going to go up on the screen here in just a second. So let's stand together, and as you stand, we're going to ask the deacons to make their way down to the front as we sing this song together.